Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Raising children can be challenging. It can make you question yourself, the way you were raised, and how you are now you're a parent. Imagine how much more challenging that would be if you were to go through another life transition, one from male to female. Michelle Shepard transitioned when her daughters were six and three. With little to no support, she navigated life as a parent and trans woman. She's here to talk about that experience, and a caveat comes with this interview. Michelle has told me she wants me to feel I can ask anything without fear of causing offence. Hi, Michelle, and welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, you were very clear with me when we chatted previous to this interview that you wanted me to feel comfortable um, because I said I didn't want to say anything that was offensive or inappropriate, but you were very clear. You said you wanted me to feel like I could ask you anything. Why is that important to you? Well, look, after coming out eight years ago, I um, do a lot of work within the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And I've made many conversations with people, you know, over coffees, just having just conversations as a whole and finding that there's a lot of fear. And people are often too afraid to ask in detail in their own language what it is that they want to ask. And sometimes they muddle their words or sometimes they're too afraid to even approach. And so I find when I allow people to even ask in probably the most inappropriate way possible, we find the right language together and we find the thing that works for them so they feel more comfortable and become teachers themselves. I have to say, it sounds like this is the approach you have taken both at the very beginning when you were transitioning and obviously now through life. I'm not sure how to phrase this except to say it seems quite unfair that that burden is on you. I'm grateful that you are open and welcoming of those sorts of questions, but it also seems like another level of, um, I don't know, challenge for you in terms of what you've had to grapple with in, in your own identity. Do you ever get tired of carrying that burden? It's funny, actually, you say that. I actually, actually do find... Uh, it can be quite tiring. Um, there are times I, I'm just exhausted where I drop into a heap and, I, and I, I just sometimes have a cry. But the reality is, is when I come into many spaces, I'm usually the only one in most workplaces. I'm the only transgender woman. So when I say transgender woman, it's I was assigned male at birth, identify as female, pronouns she and her. There's a lot of still a lot of misunderstandings. So a lot of the work I do that is public, you know, often in the comments section of things that are posted, which, you know, we're told never to read the comments. But <laughs> yes. uh, in the comments, there's usually things like, oh, why are we supporting people with mental health issues? Or why are we supporting pedophiles? Or why are we, you know, why are we supporting people who clearly, you know, need to have psychiatric support? But the thing is, is most people don't have a chance to meet someone like me who's a parent, who's a professional, uh, who's trying to live the best life they can, just like you are yourself. And there's all these misunderstandings and and running up the stereotypes, what we see in television and movies and, and articles. So uh, the reality is that burden does fall onto someone like myself, which is why I'm referred to as Mama Mish in the wider community, because I allow people to 
you bring themselves in, in a vulnerable way to ask the questions that they need to. One of the things that I feel is happening now is there's a greater conversation around transgenderism when it comes to children and how we can support our kids. But that wasn't a reality when you realized that you weren't in the right, weren't born to the right gender. Right. Well, for me, look, you know, I just to you know paint a picture so, so people understand who and what. I was born and raised in the Midwest of the United States. I was born in 77. And you can imagine growing up in the 80s and, you know, into the 90s, you know, there was a lot of stereotypes around, you know, how you should live as a man, how you should live as a woman. The gender roles were quite rigid and strong. You know, there was no language around transgender. If you had seen something, it would have been on the Ricky Lake show. You know, my, my husband is now a woman and this and that, mm-hmm. like it's all this, this sensationalized stuff. So there was no examples on television. The things we had were Bates and Psycho and Rocky Horror Picture Show and Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. And, you know, this is the stuff that were there. And, you know, I, I wasn't any of that. Why would you want to be anything like that? So there was no language at the time. But the thing is, those who were dealing with gender issues at that time were just as strong as they are today, right? But the difference is, if I said, hey, I'm kind of feeling this, this way or struggling, or for example, I had said I was afraid of somebody, I would have been smacked and told, get over yourself, you know, what's wrong with you, you grow up, you know, you know, get over yourself, you know, be a man. Or now, you know, a child goes and says, this is how I feel. I don't feel right. The parent's like, oh, tell me more, talk to me. So the thing is, is there's actually a language, a name, an identity. There's there's things around this. There's there's symbols, there's flags, there's all that stuff now where we didn't have any of that. So it's not that this is a fad or that it's, um, oh, you know, everybody wants to be that now. It's that we can talk about it now, right? I wasn't able to. Another thing I was uh, I observed in one of the uh, documentary I saw about transgender kids is the fight in Australia for children to have access to puberty blocking drugs and it was mentioned in that documentary that what people don't realize is that when you don't have access to that in puberty then of course your body will change regardless of how you identify That's right. and that it is easier for a child to transition and to be comfortable in their own body if they have access to that pre-puberty. That is correct. Um, I'm wondering, is do you have a sense of, I don't know, a grief around the fact that in a way it's probably harder for you because you weren't given access to grow and change the way you felt inside? It's, I wouldn't say grief. Um, I wouldn't say a mourning or anything like that or, or disappointed. Look, it would have been a lot easier to have been born cisgender, which is um, so for lack of education for most people listening, you know, I identify as transgender, uh, which means I was assigned male at birth based on genitalia, what they saw in the hospital. My identity is that of female. Don't ask me why or how. It's a $50 million question. <laughs> um, but to be cisgender means that you are identifying as the gender you were assigned at birth. And all cis means, C-I-S, is, uh, it's a Latin term for on the same side. 
So it's the most politically correct way of saying that you identify as a woman yourself. Mm. So that wasn't actually an option. So, you know, it, it really does suck. And I've had to find the best way to, to navigate that. There are things that I'll never experience that is part of the, the connecting experience with most of the women who I've spoken to. So a lot of my friends who I have made along the way who are cisgender themselves and sitting in a room with other women who are talking about pregnancy and, and things like that, you know, I'm very blessed to have had my two daughters the way I did, but I'll never be able to experience the things that most of my girlfriends who were able to have children had. And, and later on in years of my transition, there was an ache and a yearning going, oh my God, I'll, I'll never be able to feel this. So, you know, it is hard. And plus I'm six foot three and I'm quite broad shouldered. And you can hear my voice. Most, most people hear my voice and just say, immediately say male. But it would be a lot easier if I had transitioned when I was younger, you know, would have been removed things like discrimination and violence that I've, I've experienced myself in life since transitioning. So it's a mixed bag. You know, I can yeah. sit here and, and, and say, I wish, I wish, but the reality is it wasn't. And I've had to make the best of what I can. Was there any one thing that made you decide to transition at the time of your life when you did? Um. My marriage had fallen apart uh, for many different reasons. It wasn't because of my my transitioning, or that I was struggling with my identity. It was it, it was it was like one of the straws that sort of added weight to the camel's back. And I had made the decision in the end to go and reach out to talk to a mental health professional and, and saying, "Hey, you know, my marriage fallen apart. This is what's happening. Struggling with work." This is something I've dealt with my entire life. I just want to deal with it finally for once in my life and just figure out what it is. And they said to me, they go, look, you can, you can, do, you can come and go out of this as much as you want. You can purge um, your identity from this. And, and for example, uh, you, know, you go through a cross-dressing phase as, a, as, a, um, as someone who signed me out of birth. And you come into the space, you leave, you come in, and you, when you get rid of everything, it's called purging. And the doc said, look, you can do that your entire life. You know, you're going to have to own and actually look in and actually address what's going on. So I went for this long sort of six, seven, almost nine month journey where I was just kind of exploring and understanding my identity. I had more of a name of it. Mind you, as I tried, as I tried digging deeper to find other people like me, I, I actually saw a lot of that hypersexualization, a lot of the uh, things that most people associate or have fears around. And, and I actually struggled buying into <laughs> this whole transition because of those things. But eventually I found somebody who could help me understand that language and um, sit with me and, and help work through it. And then as my marriage kind of came to a final halt and I was on my own, I said, all right, I'm ready to explore this further. It sounds incredibly challenging, confusing, hard, all those things. In the process of this exploration, were there moments of joy? Were there moments of, I don't know, relief when you found the right words for how you felt when you put on a dress and felt at home? Or were there any moments like that in the process? Because it does sound incredibly hard. You know, it's extremely hard. And there was a you know a few moments where you kind of go, you're kind of being yourself. And it wasn't even so much as dresses or makeup. I think it was more of just the expression. You could just kind of be yourself and be open about that language. You know, even myself these days, you know, I'll wear maybe some quite gender neutral 
plain t-shirts and you know white runners maybe some chinos or something dresses usually for more fancier occasions or more corporate things if i'm speaking as as most women would do anyway but um at the time i think it was more around just that relief of i kind of an idea of what's going on but then finally when you get in your own head going oh my god finally and all of a sudden when you have to deal with it you're going oh christ what do i have to do <laughs> you know now i now i have to <laughs> now now what do i do because the thing is is once you go through that process of that transition piece you go to a psychiatrist like i went to a psychiatrist psychologist my gp another gp there was, you know, many, many visits that I had. And then when you're done, you're given, here's your hormone blockers, which blocks your testosterone as a, as a assigned male at birth. And, and then you've given the estrogen to replace your um, hormones. They then give you a letter of those two things and go, may the force be with you. You're assigned to the cross. Uh, off you go. And there's nobody to teach you. There's nobody to help you. There's no sisters. There's no aunties. There's no moms. There's no, as soon as you come out, you lose all that. It's gone. So at what point during all of that did you bring your daughters in? Did you talk to them? Was there an initial conversation or how did that evolve for them? That was a, a, a longer conversation. It was around letting them take their time. I'd seen many people go and say, hey, uh, uh, this is who I am. Don't ever call me this again. It was like a cut and dry overnight. And that was the worst way to do it. I let them come along and help make calls within the journey. And what did that look like practically on a day-to-day level? Well, you know, I'd already studied to be a makeup artist many years before. There was something that I'd always wanted when I was younger. And I finally made the decision to actually do that. And I went and let them play. So I, I went and got a bunch of cheap, say, nail polishes, and I had a bunch of like cheap makeup. And I let my two little girls, who love all these things, <laughs> step up <laughs> and let them, say, paint my nails, or I let them do my makeup, or I let them do things that little girls love to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I let it go slow. I hadn't fully, my body still hadn't really started changing much. It was, I knew it was going to be a long process. I didn't want to go and put on, say, a wig and make them be afraid and and look like this put-on costume. I wanted it to be more authentic for them. So when things developed a little bit further, there was actually a night where I went to saw some of my friends, and I had the girls with me, and I go, let's get dressed up. Let's have a fun night out. And the girls went with me to go, say, shopping or and they helped me pick an outfit and then they helped me do my makeup and I helped them do theirs. They looked fabulous. You know, they'd have like a really furry scarf and their makeup was done. And, but then they dressed me up and they put me in like this, this purple leopard print uh, skirt with some you know <laughs> knee high boots. And, and, and I went to my friend's house and they're like, so Mish looking, uh, looking good. And I looked at them and I said, don't, don't you, don't you dare. <laughs> I said, my girls dressed me and they did this and I let them, be part of this and as things kind of went from there my girls it just became just a normal thing like this is just what dad is and i and we were like well what do we call dad because dad's now a girl and they're like dad's dad i'm like okay dad is still dad but the pronouns are she and her and so it's it's a weird language uh it confuses people but 
like going to school, my kids are like, "Oh, so my dad's this weekend. She took us to the to the to the aquarium. She took us to the zoo." Blah, blah. <laughs> and everyone's like, um, "Don't you mean he?" I'm like, no, my dad's a girl, and then just kind of wander off. And and it was a uh, it, it it just became it just worked naturally. But because of what happened was, is I let it slowly happen. I didn't force this upon anyone. And even like calling me Mish or Michelle or whatever, it was everybody around me eventually kind of did it in their own time where doing it cut and dry was so hard for a lot of people. And when Mm. I found that it was too hard, I took a step back. I assessed the landscape. I understand. I listened. And then I moved forward. And um, the girls to this day are still so encouraging, whatever. But my youngest said to me actually the other day, she goes, dad, you could never be a boy. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, well, if you became a boy again, I, that'd be weird because I've only known you as a girl. And if you became a boy again, it's like you'd be transitioning for the first time. And I'm going, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Like, like, and how it's been. Now? Oh, she's my oldest. She's 12 now, actually. Yeah. Um, but you know what you do at those times and how you have patience with them and teach them things like that. You know, that's how it develops into them later on. Were you ever afraid of how to manage that situation? Oh God, every day. I mean, even now, <laughs> even now I, I'm afraid on, on navigating because, you know, my daughter is, you know, my youngest is, you know, going through those early stages of puberty and my oldest is in that, you know, the middle stages of that at uh, 16 now. And, you know, where is my line as, as someone who lives socially as a woman, who my daughter is only known as a woman when it comes to women things? And what, where do I draw the line when it comes to, you know, stuff that their mother should do? You know, I never wanted to use the term mother either because I wanted to show respect to their mom and, and, and saying, no, no, you are their mom. And, you know, I play a female role in this, but I also play a, a male role too. So it's, you're, you're kind of towing the line of what is my role now as a woman in their life? And you mentioned there that um, they're still very encouraging of you. How do you think this experience has impacted on their own attitude to gender, uh, to the world, I guess? It sounds like a really gentle way to introduce them to your experience, mm-hmm. but obviously they were very little when this started. How has it influenced them? Um, their patience for ignorance is quite low. Um, <laughs> someone, if someone is, my my children are very respectful. Like like I'm I, I'm still quite a quite a southern old fashioned dad, but my daughters have low tolerance for people who aren't accepting whatever. And they'll just kind of walk away from people who were just not inclusive. If someone did say anything about me or was negative or whatever, they, they just wouldn't take it on. They were like, no, obviously I don't want to be around you. So I'm moving on. They'll stand up for other kids in the schoolyard who are minorities as well. I've seen quite a, a, a diverse friendship by my, by my daughters as over the years, as they've grown up, but they gravitate towards a lot of them. They have a lot of compassion and kindness and other people gravitate towards them as well because of that. You mentioned there that you wanted to be respectful of their mother and and say, well, I'm not their mother. This is my role and yours is the same. But separation is challenging at the best of times. Uh 
how have you found your relationship with your ex-wife with all the changes that you went through you still needed to co-parent together yes what was that like at the beginning it wasn't easy you know there was conversations around you're not allowed to go to the school not because of other kids or or whatever it's more around parents other parents aren't exactly very kind trying to protect the kids and and what that would look like for them you know she had a lot of anger from uh, everything that happened and she felt cheated she felt like michelle had killed her husband you know there's this other woman that's around but my husband's dead and and i've got to be friends with the woman who killed my husband there's a common language around usually around how somebody is you know how that person's dead and gone and and i can see how somebody uses that language but it's hard to hear that there were times i had to stand there and just take it you know no one should ever deserve to take anything but but i was like you know she's in pain I need to allow her to actually express that pain, express how she's feeling, and and I need to own that and and, and let her grieve and, and and move forward. So it wasn't easy. Uh, as time has gone by, we're actually quite um, uh, close friends now. Uh, you know, between birthdays and everything that we have, uh, we just had our, our oldest daughter's birthday the other day, and uh, I do apologize for that in the background. <laughs> That's all right. Dogs will bark. I'd allow her to to go through that, and so we worked through that together. And now we're quite good friends. And and I don't know if you ever watched the um, online between Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, and how they're constantly like taking the piss out of each other, or yes. or whatever. This is now our existence, the two of us online. And most people watch us, and they're like, "You two need your own reality show because <laughs> it, it's so hilarious." But she, you know, she was talking to me about relationship issues that she was having, or I'll talk to her, or, you know, I got qualified as a lash technician, like she is, and we're sitting there doing each other's lashes, and, and just, <laughs> you know, or her sister was laughing with us, because we were talking about child support, and how ridiculous certain things were, and, and she goes, this is hilarious listening to you two. She goes, more people should be able to talk about this, instead of going, you owe me a nickel. You two are like, well, I, I bloody owe you this, and she's like, well... Than, than whatever you know like it's it's just, <laughs> it, 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 it's an it's an it's, it's an interesting conversation but I often sh- struggle and feel bad for her though because there is no support for families there's no support for the children no support for the ex-wives there's no support for family when it comes to these things so she's had to navigate this on her own without support but also embarrassed she doesn't want people in her business and so there's you know it's a it's a different playing field for her so I had to kind of be that for her what about friends and family outside your immediate unit how did they respond my mom's response was less than ideal uh my mom's response was pardon my French I know we're you know, keeping our language clean here but mm. the reality was my mom's response was what a fucking waste I should have aborted you mm. and you know that was hard to hear and there, you have to imagine somebody who's going through divorce, somebody who's losing their job, somebody who's barely able to keep their kids, somebody who's, you know, going through this massive change and their family says these sorts of things to them. My siblings weren't exactly there either, so I'm not really have contact with my, my, my immediate family very much. My aunt and I are very close, but most of my family back in the States is now sort of gone because after since transitioning. I mean, we tried a few times over the years, but the, the, it just the, 
we just couldn't find a common ground as much as I could try. Um, only lost a few friends here uh, who really didn't understand or really struggled with the identity stuff and, and didn't really understand the language. So I've had to rebuild a lot of that. I'd rebuild my career, my friend base, my support base. So who I was eight years ago as Daniel and who I am now as Michelle, I look back on photos now and just how things have developed going, I feel like I'm looking at somebody else's life sometimes. Well, you're obviously in a much better place today. And I'm just curious, is there anything you would like other parents to understand about your experience as a trans woman and a parent? As a trans woman, what I struggle with is not having other women regularly who I can connect with and talk about things. And, and, and we need to find ways of actually finding common ground around connecting instead of finding the differences. So you and I as parents, uh, this day-to-day struggle, things we do, you know, th- you know, talking about the podcast, radio and stuff we do, there's things we can find commonalities we can bond better on. Instead of trying to find the differences of my lived experience as a child and a young man and yours as a woman growing up, you know, how I live socially now is very much that as a woman. And we need to find ways to bond more in that way. You know, as parents, you know, I do think it does take a village to raise children and we need to find people around us who can help us with those things. And it would have been nice to have people around a little bit more. Yeah, I did find others who I could connect with, not necessarily trans people, but unfortunately a lot of people like me don't feel sort of welcomed or or they may not have their kids or they feel cut off from society. And so it's, it's challenging. And so I, I appreciate anybody who's listening to this, this podcast we're, we're doing today. And if they do want to reach out, if they do want to talk further, if they want to just digest this a little bit more and, and share this podcast saying, Hey, you know, these voices need to be heard because we completely misunderstand them because we are being informed wrong. I mean, go to Netflix, you know, here's your homework for you and anybody else. Go to Netflix and find the show Disclosure. It's a good piece on this because when it comes to the media, it's played a massive part in this, but it also plays a massive part in other minorities between disability and people of color, disabilities, you know, uh, Aboriginal, you know, any of anybody out there. Just it's learn to sit down with somebody, have a cup of coffee and learn to understand their lived experience a little bit more. Yeah. Well, Michelle, I completely appreciate your honesty and your time in sharing all of your experiences with us so thank you so much for speaking with me today i really appreciate you taking the time and reaching out and having having me part of it that's michelle shepherd she's a radio presenter transgender woman and dad and i'll pop a link to her website in the notes of this episode I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Listener.